Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brittle Gash, and with me today is a man who will not see out the year without somehow acquiring an Abdul Nader jersey. They're giving them away. It's Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. How are you, Jackson? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. I'm, 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 my birthday's in September. I know that's a while off, but I'm going to give you guys plenty of chances to um, to get your orders in because they're hard to find, those Nader jerseys. Very rare. <laughs> I'm marking it down on the calendar. Thank you, mate. Uh, and of course, the Marcus Smart of this podcast from across the Tasman, our esteemed analyst. It's Joe, aka No Scrooge McFly. Joe, what's up? I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. My tendons are feeling good. I'm uh, good. contributing good at a higher tendons. level. <laughs> the stats don't necessarily reflect Make it. Winning. Making Listen, winning plays. <laughs> Making winning plays. Yeah. It's good to hear. <laughs> Game 7. Game 7. That's what it's all about. Celtics, 112 bucks, 96. The prophecy as spoken by a friend of the show, Leet Speak, was true. Terry Rogier. The Celtics playing in our NBA record 31st Game 7. A victory in front of a raucous, high-energy Boston Celtics crowd. Al Horford and the scariest of Terry's got it done. We just looked like the better team out there right from the get-go. Everybody came to play defensively. We had that playing at home level of defensive intensity, which has won us our home games all season. Uh, it was just great to see. Jackson, uh, tell us about your Game 7 experience. Well, it was the first time in the series that I actually could really enjoy the game when I think we got to about five minutes left in the fourth. It was like all the stress and all the anxiety and all of those fears that you have just kind of melted away as we t- kicked to we kicked further up, or we maintained the lead rather, and uh, and it was it was wonderful. I mean, it was kind of for me anyway expected. I mean, I was you know, I was never that comfortable throughout the game. Obviously, could have turned at any point, but I kind of I expected us to come out, build a bit of a lead, hold it for most of the time, most of the game. They would make their runs and they would get back to you know three or four points here and there, but we just held on. I don't think we surrendered the lead for, after the first quarter. So um, yeah, it was good to see that we did get the solid performances that we needed, particularly from Al. Hall. 26 points there and just you know the rock amongst the um was it the rock amongst the children the father amongst the children <laughs> <laughs> whilst thing, also being thing. a rock he's, a, he's he's good at multitasking uh tatum i thought had his best uh game of the series um that, definitely yeah yes. that that block that he hit i think it was on shabazz muhammad before getting the ball faking out Giannis, swishing the three that was the point i think i like i i just i threw whatever shit i had on in front of me and just started like dancing because that was it felt <laughs> safe from them and uh, before we and before we move on to other guys i just want to put a big shout out to marcus morris as well too didn't have the best of games particularly in the first half but the second half he went on that run where he was scoring lots of points and we, we need that from him if we can't get the 20 point games or the big performances consistently out of him if he can just come on sometime during the course of the game and go on those runs there pushes it out it really 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 helps so um yeah like i was very satisfied with um with all the supporting guys there and obviously scary terry he was just he was just phenomenal <laughs> yeah man just yeah. think about the, the the rock amongst the children is that is the movie the gridiron gang is that is that <laughs> is that the plot there <laughs> it does fit i guess if we were playing i don't know one of those games where you have to <laughs> describe it without saying the title anyway yes yeah it fits <laughs> okay good <laughs> um i felt pretty good about the game most of the way through um you know we we get you can you get a feel for the team eh? and and um when we Staved off that second quarter counterpunch. I think I thought, well, yeah, we're probably going to get this. And then the other little checkpoint for me was Marcus Morris, uh, his four-point play. Um, that 
was an important, important bucket, an important time. And I thought that stretch at the end of the third, uh, and I, I sort of felt like we had the opportunity to really win the game if we could have pushed it out to 17 or 18. We couldn't quite get there. Kept, we got it up to like 15. I think we got it up to 16, actually. Um, but then, um, shout out, shout out, Reddit, they did the math. Um, I felt pretty good about things uh, from the middle of the of the final quarter onwards. After Rozier, Rozier went to the line and uh, and he shot one or two free throws, and we just needed one of those. And I and I felt I felt like using the formula, um, just the formula, guys. Just in case you ever want to quell your anxiety, um, a safe lead is two times the amount of minutes remaining plus one point. So, with six and a half minutes remaining, right? You want it to be uh, you want it to be a fourteen point game. Six point five times two is thirteen plus one is fourteen. So we got it to like fifteen. Then anyway, after that, I felt pretty good. Yeah, that's solid. Solid. We are formula. undefeated once the formula is applied. So far this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, it is, it to is it. literally. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's the only game that is applied this this um, this series. Yeah, and what an important game uh, it was. I, I had a, a different take, um, non-formulaic, <laughs> but I, I said to you guys in our in our chat, um, my grandfather once said to me, never trust a fart, and as far as the Celtics <laughs> are concerned, never trust a lead. Uh, and, and fortunately, we, we, we formulated a lead, and it's consistent with the formula, um, you know, a lead that we were able to to hold until um, the final seconds of the game. So that was awesome. Um so I, I made a little list of things that went our way. So there were a few things that happened where you were like, oh shit, everything is going our way tonight. The first one, uh, Giannis tipping in Tatum's bucket. Oh yeah. Oh, so you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that happened and... That's an omen, eh? Uh, there was, there was a, a tip in that Giannis did, uh, I think it was in game six or maybe slightly early, earlier in the season, in, in the series rather. Um, that, oh, the that game one <laughs> turned out game four was the winner, wasn't it? Yeah, it turned out to be the, the game winner for them. Um, and this was a uh, a series, I don't want to say defining Giannis tip in, but um, you don't have, often see those those plays where um, you're attempting a defensive rebound or um, a defensive um, tap of the ball into a situation that is advantageous to you and your team getting possession back. And he tipped it right into the freaking basket for Tatum. Credit Tatum the points. Um, and that was something that you don't see every day. Uh, number two on my list, uh, Rogier got the very friendly shooter's touch bounce on a three-pointer late in the game. That was a, there's a period. Um, we'll get to Rogier's uh, scoring later in the in the podcast, but where he just got the friendliest of rolls on one of his three-point attempts, which just kept him hot um, during that streak for him in, I think, the fourth quarter. That was excellent. Number three, uh, there was also a point where Jalen Brown did one of the traveliest travels, traveliest travels I have ever seen, uh, and we did not get called for it. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but he basically uh, like uh, he put down his. Was it a travelisty? <laughs> it could have been. Fortunately, he wasn't called for it. We got away with it. Uh, another thing that told me we were going to win this game early on, and finally, and you mentioned it earlier. Um, I can't remember which one of you mentioned it. Uh, both of your name, both of your names start with J. Marcus Morris. <laughs> Four-point play um, was another moment where I was just like, that, that's such classic Marcus Morris. And, like, of course, it's happening uh, to the Boston Celtics in Game 7 and, like, we're winning the shit out of this game. And we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and the garden crowd was absolutely nuts. And the where is Bledsoe chance? <laughs> uh, like the yeah. Boston fans were hilariously uh, relentless with Bledsoe and just kept giving it to him all night. And there were a few occasions where Bledsoe would miss or turn it over and Rogier would come back on the other end and just like drill a shot or do something incredible. Uh, and the Bledsoe chance would just like erupt once again. And, you know, that was obviously amazing from, you know, a fan of the Celtics standpoint. Obviously, if you're a Bucks fan, you're a little pissy about that potentially. But um, that's one of the things I enjoyed about the game. That was, most. A, f- that was a fun subplot, eh? And then putting the Drew Bledsoe thing up there, I think that would have been an awesome moment to be in the arena. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I, I feel like that was exact <laughs> right, like... You don't want it to be like too high level animosity. I feel like that was like the perfect level of animosity, you yeah. know. And, and his, just Joe, it was just it was just fun at the end of the day. You he, know? he called him. I call, he called himself the original Bledsoe, which I thought was, yeah. I thought was the, the bossest thing. <laughs> um, yeah, you can you can tell that whole everyone was so united in their their mission to just hang shit on Eric Bledsoe there. And funnily enough, it was probably his best game of the series too. You know, he, he played qu- quite well too. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, but I mean, look, Terry Rozier, I think we're going to get into this sooner or later, Joe. But I mean, I would like to say, um, can we put an end to, it's been a fantastic meme, but the Game 7 Kelly O'Linick meme, I think, can now be laid to rest. And everyone, <laughs> feast your eyes, behold, Game 7 Scary Terry. Absolutely. Is that a fair yep. goal? Yep. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> yep. Goodbye, Kelly. You were, you were good to us. He's not going to walk through the door. He to us. <laughs> I would love Kelly O'Linick back, man. Like, yeah, uh, and, be, and he would be amazing uh, against the Sixers in terms of spacing the floor and uh, and drawing Embiid uh, out of the paint. And I think that's why he had so much success in that series. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, all in good time. Uh, look, some, some random uh, notes from Game 7 before we get to individual player performances. Uh, so we had total control throughout the game. At one point, Milwaukee cut the deficit to three points early in the third, but Boston scored... Uh, 11 out of the last 15 points in the quarter, and the Bucks never got within single digits in the fourth. Boston went 1-for-12 from three-point range in the first half uh, and then came out 4-for-5 from three-point range in the third quarter alone. And we scored 60 points in the paint, which um, given recent Celtic squads, you know, the uh, the Crowder, AB, IT squad, yeah, we had um, Horford for some of that. But 60 points in the paint is not something that I would have associated with recent Celtics team. So to see that stat come up in our favor, 60 points, uh, that was incredible. Uh, and obviously helped us get the win in the end. Don't know if that's going to be viable against Joel Embiid in the next series. But again, we'll get to that. Moving on to individual player performances. Terry Rozier, just an incredible performance given both how he performed so far in this series uh, and just given the moment itself. Like he really rose to the moment and, and was pretty dominant out there. He had that crazy dribble move, uh, which absolutely owned Delavadova, uh, and he pulled up for that that rare floater where normally he would either sort of backtrack for the three or try and draw contact at the cup. Um, he pulled up and like took the best possible like positionable shot, uh, sort of in the in the mid range region uh, for a floater, which he obviously hit. Uh, his 26 points were a career playoff high. 26 points, 9 assists, 6 boards on 62.5% from the field and from beyond the arc. And 17 of those points in the second half with four threes. Guys, Terry Rogier, I don't know if I've left any points for you at this point. Um, uh, <laughs> but he was incredible. Um, what do you think? Scary Terry. I think it's like... Um, I- Danger Cart, I think I mentioned it before, but there's this thing, he talks about Sheehan's law, about how like all the adjustments don't matter too much. It's it's really about who hits the most threes. And um like the the scary Terry corollary of that is he is our most like he is our he he is the guy who's probably gonna shoot the most threes on our team, right? Tatum's yeah. not as aggressive as he is offensively. And so really as as Terry goes offensively, so go the Celtics. Um, and he's often gotten hot late in games, and I think that's coincided with a lot of comebacks. Um, so, um, yeah, it was an enjoyable one to ride. You know, it worked out well. It's <laughs> yeah, going mean, to hurt sometimes, too. For sure. I mean, I, th- I think his biggest contribution for f- was probably our first half struggles from the three-point range. I think we were like none for 10 at one stage or something like that. He, w- I remember he was the player who hit the first three yeah, and he ended up shooting five of eight. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, even though we had the lead and we were looking okay, I just thought, like, if we could just hit some threes here, like, this yeah. is just going to be, like, just toast. And it took a little while, but Terry Rogier was the man to do it. Five from eight, like I said, from the field. Um, you feel like if this series is going to be remembered for anything, it is going to be remembered for the uh, Bledsoe-Rogier um, subplot, as we, we've talked about there. And for him to come out, I suppose, the winner of, of, of everything there, um, that's going to like do a lot for, for himself and kind of for his reputation and his, you know, the legend that is Scary Terry going forward. So, um, yeah, I thought that was fantastic for him to get that. And he probably rightfully deserves all the plaudits for being the player of the game here. Maybe we can have a shout for Horford, but I think just given the narrative alone, then Rozier deserves it. Yeah, well, speaking of which, another legend, the father himself, Father, Rock, father Al Rock. Horford. <laughs> another awesome playoff Al game, just feasting on, on Thon Maker and then almost perfect defensively as well. Uh, he had so many sweet like vet moves uh, in the paint for buckets. Uh, and a bunch of times he bailed us out of like late shot clock situations as well, where you know obviously you get to that sort of sub six second on the shot clock uh, region, and like he was just perfect the, in those the situations. The nether regions of the shot clock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, 
there was a joke there. I'm not going to go there. I don't know if the, the rating on this podcast uh, sort of accounts for that. But uh, guys, thoughts on Al Horford? I thought he was amazing in this game. Yeah, I feel like he's the one player we've got that when he's off the court, it's very, very noticeable, at least in the context of this series here. Like when the offense was going through him and he was like handling the ball top of the key, top of the three, and the picks and the handoffs were coming that way. We looked, the offense looked so much more fluid and he felt so much more confident just in, in the ball movement. When he went off, it just it felt like it all goes just a little bit flat. And, you know, his defensive uh, contributions as well were fantastic there. You know, 26 points again. It was kind of like a, like a, kind of like a quiet 26 points. You know, if you can do such a thing, um, he's always just you know the engine of this team. He's the backbone. He's like whatever, whatever non-glamorous, important you know uh, comparison you want to make to him. He is that to his team, and um, you know it's 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 great to to see him playing at this level in the playoffs. And he's going to be super important for us going forward, not just this series, but also into the future. He showed some ups. Uh, how many dunks did he have? He had at least three from memory. He had um, yeah. That. Some really difficult finishes off those oh, like pick and, and roll oops as well. Yeah, that alley oop off smart steel on Middleton. Yeah, that man, was nice. that was yeah. that was really difficult. Um, he reminds me, and I'm, I'm I apologies to international listeners, but we used to have this guy who played cricket for New Zealand called Chris Harris, and Chris Harris would just keep <laughs> the, yeah. he would keep the scoreboard ticking over in the middle stages. Sort of like, I don't know, Michael Bevan. You guys might remember Michael Bevan used to play. How can I forget Michael Bevan? Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Michael Bevan is always on at the end. Chris Harris would just keep it ticking over. You know, you just need those ones and twos. Keep picking up four and over. And Horford's like that offensively, you know. We just need to keep the scoreboard ticking over. Just need to hit ones and twos, you know. So Maybe yeah. one day the two of them will meet. <laughs> Maybe. And, uh, and Al Horford. <laughs> That'll be great. Uh <laughs> I love the continual New Zealand like deep dive cricket references to compare to our Boston Celtics. They are. Gonna, we'll, we'll do an episode in the future one day where we're going to be comparing Boston Celtics players to New Zealand cricketers, and it's going to be so good. <laughs> it's one of the it's definitely be, some off season material. Yeah, it's one of the great things about this podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a heads up. One, Marcus Smart as Brendan McCullum all the way, all the way. I see it. I yeah. see it. Yeah, with a little buckle. preparation, I can bring my own Aussie uh, cricket references <laughs> to the table. But look, uh, Al Horford, 26 points, 13 of 17 from the field, eight boards, three assists, a block, and a steal, and so many un- unquantifiable Father Al Horford-style plays. <laughs> Jason Tatum, however, he had nine points in the first quarter, had me thinking, is this the, the Tatum game? Of all games, game seven in the first round of the playoffs against the Bucks, against Giannis, a guy who plays his position some of the time. Um, he, he had a quick and very assertive nine points that had me dreaming up this narrative of like the Tatum game and like him finishing, you know, on pace at the end of the fourth for like 40 points and how that combined with a win would send me into a tailspin of just like pure bliss. Um, and he, he, he incredible poise really by the rookie under pretty nerve wracking circumstances, 20 points, six boards, five assists, only one turnover. And he was well above his average in points in the paint. So something I noticed quite early on, uh, some amazing controlled drive to the cup, finishing with 10 points in the paint. And his season average of points in the paint is just six points. Um, it's been a, a noticeable and continuing theme for Tatum throughout the season that he would get stripped quite easily while mm. attempting to drive to the bucket. Um not only did that not happen, but he only finished with one turnover, like I said. So um, that was really impressive, um, you know, in, in such a, an occasion in a game seven for the Boston Celtics, for this kid. Uh, you know, he's he's not even born yet. Some some will even say that the continuing joke <laughs> is that he's, still he's in utero. eight years old. He scored he's 20 in game seven. Yeah. He's, he's merely an embryo. He's an embryo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a out zygote. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Not even a thought. Um, and yet he, he did this for our team, our wonderful team in, uh, in such a critical game. So, uh, I don't know. I can't be the only one to be so high on Jason Tatum after this game. What do you, what do you guys think? High, high as a kite, mate. Um, I think one thing, unfairly, fairly or unfairly, I feel like him, he and uh, Jalen, uh, Jalen, he and uh, I was, I was gonna say Jalen Tatum, and I stopped myself. So let's just cut all that out because it sounds like <laughs> enough, absolute enough, shit. Marvel, <laughs> enough Marvel, enough <laughs> in. Alrighty, alrighty. Um. So, as I was saying, I feel like whether it's fair or unfairly, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are always going to be linked. They're going to be our two young guys. We have similar expectations of where their ceilings are, of how good they can be for us, blah, blah, blah. When Jalen went out, you felt like someone really had to pick up 
the slack for him there, the scoring wise. And I feel like even though Tatum only scored, you wouldn't say he like you know scored as many points as uh, uh, Jalen would have scored anyway, combined with his own. Twenty points in a game seven. I mean, it's so huge. We talked about the the block and the three earlier. That kind of felt like the dagger. That kind of felt like the game winner for me. That's when I'm certainly cut loose. But um, look, in the absence of Brown, for him to have the the, the type of poise and the uh, performance that he did, I mean, um, it was very very encouraging to see. And um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I have not taken off this Jason Tatum shirt off that since game seven. So um, yeah, it looks, looks a little crusty. Well, I only ever see the yeah, top man. of it. Oh really? I only no, see no, the no, top. No, there we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> see that? Nice one. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Tatum, Tatum, I, I love him. I love him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him up for all the ease in Ojale. But um, I actually thought he played better in Game Six, and um, he played, he played a great game. He played, a, he played a needed game. Um, Tatum, like, I love it when he's aggressive, and he was super aggressive in Game Six. He was just way quicker attacking off the catch. Um, he kind of had a he had a few moments in Game Seven where he kind of held it and looked and just sort of looked to survey it. I like it when he knows what he's doing when he's about to catch the ball. He when he catches and goes, he's really dangerous because his shot has to be respected. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm looking for in Game Seven. So I give I, I felt like this was like honestly might be going to gain the screen a little bit. I just felt this was like a B plus game for Tatum. I felt like um, it wasn't like a C. You know, like he got. He got twenty points, you know, and, and we needed his offense. But um but I think he's capable of a lot more. A lot more. He did finish a game high plus twenty four in the end. Uh I think you're right. Like he's definitely uh capable of a lot more and, and maybe he showed out a little bit more in game six, but it just wasn't as noticeable given the like the murkiness of the loss and yeah. You know, that there are other things to focus on. You know, you can perform as well as you like, but if you lose the game, then it's not as noticeable. Um, totally. We don't exalt we don't exult in the performances of players when we lose, right? But we do when we win. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's only natural. And uh yeah. you know, maybe that's that's why we call you the Marcus Smart of this podcast, Joe, because <laughs> you you bring in the the intangibles, the unquantifiable uh sort of additions to the show that your regular analyst, your uh you know, your your untrained eye, if you will, wouldn't necessarily bring. So uh that's uh hey, man. that's all I gotta say about that. Any well, comparison should, quickly... to Marcus Smart I'll take. Uh, yeah, I thought you'd like that. Now, um, speaking of comparisons to Marcus Smart, Shemi Ojale. Um, now, before we get to this, here's a stat that I stole uh, off the Locked On Celtics podcast. I was listening to it um, at the gym today, and I like stopped and emailed it to myself so I, I would have it. Um, and look, most of you, if you're listening to this, you're an organized podcast, cat. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably already listened to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Um, and John Corrales, uh, he said in 43 possessions throughout the series where it was Giannis guarded by Shemi Ojale, Giannis shot 5 for 11 at a turnover, 2 assists, and 0 of 2 from 3, uh, which equates to 10 points at 45% shooting. So overall, all the points that Giannis scored against Shemi Ojale, um, who guarded him for at least two games, uh, 10 points on 45% shooting, which is absolutely massive against the Greek freak. And Shemi, he just has this... Super rare combination of strength and lateral quickness, um, which you don't see a lot of in the league, uh, at least from non-sort of all-stars. Uh, he makes smart plays. Uh, he do- doesn't overplay his part, um, which helps him to really fit into the starting lineup. Um, he's enough of a threat from three to really space the floor, which is which will be huge in the Philly series, which we'll get to. Um, but I just think that you know, while he's a defensive-minded player, he really does sort of complete the starting five that we've ended up with sort of post-injuries. Um, Joe, Shemi Ojale, uh, I know you predicted that he'd be huge in the rest of the series. You were absolutely right. So uh, what else have you got for us? Oh, I just wanted to add, the, you know, you talk about his, his lateral quickness and his strength, which is absolutely true. But what really stuck out to me is his incredible ability to stay down and not bite on pump fakes from Giannis. Like, man, he'd get in a stance and he would stay in that stance until Giannis gave the ball up or shot it. You know that if Giannis is shooting a fall away from um from you know from fifteen feet, he's gonna make forty five percent of them. But we'll take that, and that's exactly what what happened. I was so impressed with him. I, I personally think he's a really good player. I think he's a real keeper. I, I think um yeah, I've got I'm I'm I've got big reps on on Shimmy. Um 
and I guess we'll, we might, might save some stuff uh, when we preview the Sixers, um, preview the Sixers series. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, what he does in that series, and I think he can show a little more offensively as well. Yeah, yeah totally. I was going to say he's had like almost like that's not like his his coming out party, so to speak. You know, these performances against Giannis so far, because I mean, like, I think Celtics fans have, have been, you know, they've liked him. You know, he's obviously Combat Muscles is a, is a sweet nickname to have, and you know, he's a tank to look at, no problem. But um, yeah, you just feel like if he just had a little bit more of an offensive game going, then uh, Jesus Christ, you know, he'd be some player to have in your arsenal there. And you know, again, we'll be talking about this talking later in the um in this in this the Philly preview. But um, you, it's very fascinating to see what his use is now is he going to be deployed in a similar man-on-man role or is he going to you know be go back to the sort of rotations depending on how it plays out it, it's it will have to wait and see but um yeah no very stoked for Sammy to have that um to have that kind of exposure and those kind of performances against a guy the caliber of Giannis absolutely now a couple of uh, additional quick notes before we move on to the Sixers series Jalen Brown obviously had the the hamstring uh, pop. He was not not quoted as saying, but the lip reading experts uh, out there on Celtics Reddit uh, were able to determine. Uh, Coach Brad Stevens on Jalen Brown. I was told that if we got in a pinch, he could play. I decided that's not going to happen with hamstrings. Let's see how he feels tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we didn't need him to close the game. It's probably encouraging that he was available. Um, to 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 get back into the game for us there in Game Seven, we didn't need him. Um, I don't know obviously that much about the injury. He was scheduled for an MRI uh, tomorrow. This tweet came out yesterday, so really, like I'm refreshing Reddit and Twitter now. There's no news about that, but um, that will obviously come out before the game uh, in you know the next eight hours or so. Jalen Brown is going to be pretty essential for us in this series, which we'll get to. Um, but sticking to the random notes for now. Uh, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and Daniel Tice, a.k.a. the big three, were all at the game, invisible, <laughs> on or near the bench. Awesome. So good to see. Uh, maybe sort of a morality boost for our guys, um, spurring them on to the Game 7 win. Uh, Baines. Bainesy. Bainesy. Uh, offen- Offensive <laughs> rebounding. Eight points, seven rebounds, five of them were offensive. And he had the awesome buzzer beater to close the first quarter, often a nice part from Marcus Smart. Uh, and quickly... Bonesy get off her on a buff him. And from the next day thread, uh, I didn't get to the post game thread. I was too busy celebrating. Uh, Broke boy nine. Shemi was so valuable in this series. Yeah, water is wet. The sky is blue. Shemi was va- so valuable in this series. Uh, but a good call out and the highest upvoted comment from the thread. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to user King of Pants. Uh, check out his post game analysis and pretty much. Uh, any of the post-game or next-day threads. Uh, he always does a really good write-up uh, and does a great job of summarizing the game. Certainly in the past, when I've missed part of games due to work or whatever, I'll watch the highlights and then inhale his write-up, and it puts me in pretty good stead to talk about um, the game in confidence, uh, or confidently, rather. Um, he always like sort of breaks it down in like a, a good, the bad, or the ugly sort of format. Um, and... I did uh, use one or two tidbits from his write-up in the next day thread uh, this evening. So um, rather than shout him out for each of those individual points, I thought I should do so now. Uh, And finally, Cousin Annie, Brad has a 100% Game 7 record, which is true. Um, So just a nice little positive little tidbit to end on there. Any thoughts on uh, Brad Stevens' perfect Game 7 record? That's some... I enjoy it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's good, right? (laughs) That's some. That's some. Sell- what's what's the segment they do in the in-game entertainment? Like the 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 something or other analytics. The these are your analytics. Take that for data. Brad Stevens undefeated game seven. Still fifteen and twenty in the playoffs though. You know, Brad, <laughs> sort it out, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> Get on that. Uh, now look, we're going to take a very quick break, and we're going to be back in a moment to talk about game one of and the series between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, guys, welcome back. We've got game one tomorrow at 10 a.m. Australian time or tonight at 8 p.m. if you're on the U.S. East Coast or thereabouts. The Vegas odds on game one. Philly are the favorites to win game one at $1.66 against Boston's 2.28. Vegas odds on the series... Philly paying just $1.21 to win the series. Boston, 
465. Joe, what are your thoughts on the series ahead against the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, if I was a gambling man, I would I'd have two bets. I would bet on the Sixers in six and the Celtics in seven. I think um, if it goes seven, we're winning it. And I think if the Sixers are going to win, they have to crush us. Um, which is a po- which is possible with this team that they have a lot of talent and they can really get on top of you. I, I think one sort of narrative that's kind of been undersold a little bit is um, there's I, I don't know how you guys feel, but it feels to me like there's this perception of the Sixers as the young up and coming team with nothing to lose, right? And the Celtics is this kind of wheezy veteran. We're like Rocky Balboa on the ropes, you know. And, and that's like the yeah, perception. I think that's changed. Rather than the truth, good it, yeah. But we're a young team too. Like we're just as young as them. We have, you know what I mean? Like we are just as much of an upstart as they are. And we, to me, I think we should be just as loose as as they are. Like I think we have even less to lose. You know, um, that's just I don't know. I might be reading too much, and I might that might be in my own head. But I just sort of feel, yeah, I feel like we have, um, we're we're just as young and promising as they are. You know, and and I I feel like that's just been a little undersold. Yeah, I I think it's coming down. Well, at least from the media's perspective, it's coming down to like you know who's the more glamorous underdog versus the underdog right. because their players are missing. So I understand where they're coming from that, but I mean the whole Philadelphia's kind of momentum that there's been building up with their great basketball, no doubt, over the past, what is it now, they've won 20 out of their past 21 games, I think, if you go back to the regular series or season or something like that. Yeah, anyway, you'd be right. 16 basketball straight aside, yeah, Basketball aside, it's the whole process, you know, the whole meme that that's surrounding there. So, like, I think everyone's kind of jumping on board the Philadelphia bandwagon because, you know, they, they've, they've been so shit for so long and now it's all just kind of clicked. You know, didn't even, you know, start the start of the season. It's kind of happened, you know, post-All-Star break. They started getting this momentum. They started really playing, you know, uh, Simmons's play, Embiid not being as injured and having more or less a full season for the first time. Uh, even Michael Fultz coming back in recently. You know, you almost forget about the guys they got on the team like Bellinelli and, um, and Redick who can shoot the ball as well too. So, look, it, they're... They're going to be the favourites, but purely because we are missing Kyrie and we are missing Gordon Hayward, not to mention Daniel Tice. But I think I think home court advantage is going to be so, so key to this series, much like it was against the Bucks. And I think, Joe, you're on the money there when you say it's either going to be Philly in six or Boston in seven. I think if we can get the first two games, I think if we can hold home court, particularly the first two games, that's going to... I, I wouldn't be overly confident, but I would have really, really good feeling about that. I think if we drop one or both games, it's, it's I wouldn't say curtains, but I mean, if we could drop both games, yeah, probably. But I think if we can go, if we split it one on one, it's probably realistically not going to go away because I mean, Philly have been playing fantastically well as of late. Ben Simmons, you know, a little bit biased being from sort of my hometown, but um, he's just had a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic um, rookie season. You know, that's a different debate there. Embiid, it, it's hard not to just, it's hard to just like Embiid. You know, he just seems like, you know, such a, such a, a, a funny bastard and like, you know, I don't follow Twitter or anything like that, but all these tweets seem to end up on Reddit NBA or like the news even. So he's much of a draw card. And like I said, the story is there, but yeah, I feel like we are being well sold short on you know the story that's happening with the Boston Celtics, you know, the young players that we've got, the adversity that we've been through from game one of the opening night of the, of the season up until now, you know. For me personally, everything that's happened, winning the first series against the Bucks, I kind of feel like that's us vindicated now. I feel like we're being disregarded. I feel like our young team is being disregarded, like you said, Joe, there. I mean, missing Kyrie, missing Hayward, all of that is... It's almost like it's old news, so no one's really as interested in it anymore as they are with this Philly team. So, look, I think it's very even. I think talent-wise, they might have us on the court, player for player. They might have us covered. But, I mean, it's going to be a fight. You've got a team that's on a lot of momentum versus a team that doesn't never gives up. So, I mean, I have no idea how it's going to go down, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, uh, obviously, a, like a much tougher matchup than Milwaukee, who like they took us to seven games themselves, uh, and now we're dealing with like potentially two unicorny players in Embiid and Simmons. Um, however, like you know, a, as we've talked about, there are many positives to take from Game Seven that will hopefully bring uh, to this series, and it's going to be a pretty spicy series if Rogier and Tatum can maintain the level of play that they exhibited in Game 7. Uh, but one thing to note is that Philly shoot uh, 
more threes than Milwaukee. So the playoff stats for Philly's uh, three-point shooting is 31.4 three attempts per game compared to Milwaukee's 25 per game, which surprised me. And I think um, the discrepancy is greater um, like throughout the regular season and in the playoffs. I was surprised to see that it was only a 6.4 differential in three-point shots between the two teams. But they have so many threats from the on-the-arc, um, and it's really going to be critical for our, uh, our defensive you know, perimeter players to get out there on these guys and defend these shots while still sort of doing our best to nullify uh, Joel Embiid uh, you know, in the paint, it's it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah, um, Danger Cat had an interesting column, and he talked about how um, like Embiid's not like a devastator on offense just yet. Like he's a devastating defender, but he's not a devastating offensive player. And um, and I he he, you know, to me he when I watch him play, um, I sort of watch a guy who's who's not quite sure of what his like what his real strengths are yet and like like you look at you hear Shaq talk he's like you got an A move you got a B move and you got a C move right so Shaq is like jump hook right um jump hook um <laughs> what was it a jump hook and then reverse and then up and under you know like there's three moves yeah. that's what I did and I feel like MB just he doesn't know what his bread and butter is just yet so yeah. I I don't worry I'm not too worried about us defending these guys, just to be honest. Like, they're going to go on some streaks and they're going to give us some issues. Um, but I'm more worried about us offensively, to be honest. Um, I'm more worried about us scoring enough to keep up keep up with those guys. I think we're going to, like, we're going to keep, if we have six games or seven games, if we have seven games against them, I think we're going to keep them under 100. Um, I think we're going to keep them under 105 times. The last game we played against them was it was like they, we lost, but it was like eighty-two to seventy or something. It was a super super scrappy game without Kyrie. So yeah, if we can, I feel like if we can keep him in a scrapper in a fight, that would massively that would give us the advantage hugely. What do you think? T- totally, and and Giannis Giannis presents some really similar problems to the problems that Ben Simmons will present, and I think we're really well equipped to deal with them. I think we're defensively really well equipped to deal with everything except Embiid um, uh, being force-fed positions in the post. I think that would be really, really difficult. But he's not that guy just yet, just, just yet. He will be. Um, So, yeah, I I give us a puncher's chance here. Yeah, uh, look, Embiid um, on Horford. Horford, he's really going to have to adjust the way that he plays compared to the, the Bucks series. Like he, Al was huge for us in the post versus Milwaukee. He was able to back down Don Maker and Tyler Zeller and really assert himself there. But Embiid has so much size and strength on Horford. Um, but Horford can shoot the three. So to have Horford out on the perimeter as a, as a three-point threat uh, and draw Embiid out of the paint and sort of somewhat nullifying what he does for Philly defensively and opening up the paint for drives. I think that's going to be that's going to be super critical for the Celtics in our ability, you know, yeah. kind of kind of why uh, Kelly Olynyk like we were getting out earlier was so effective against the Sixers. Like he can he can draw their big man out of the paint and I think Al Horford can do that as well and and Al has definitely shown us uh, in the Bucks series that he's capable of not only shooting from beyond the perimeter but actually playmaking from beyond the perimeter as well and you know making some drives and usually finishing well. Um, but also that ability to pass as well. Um, so I think that's going to be essential to us being successful in this in this series is is camping Al out beyond the perimeter, and maybe we'll see less Monroe, less Baines um, as our offense is designed around that. Uh, thoughts on that think, before we get to the Simmons matchup? I think our closing lineup is going to be a lot of smart, smart Rosier, Brown, Tatum, and Horford. Um, I think that's going to be our best lineup because I really want Smart running the pick and roll with Horford, and he's that threat to pick and pop. I, I don't like Rozier so much doing that, but Rozier's, um, he's hes a really deadly shooter. Um, he's a 40% shooter on volume. And <clears throat> I think i think that that particular lineup will be essential, and I think that'll put Embiid at least in a tough position, right? Horford, because he has no weaknesses, can put Embiid in a tough position defensively. He can make him do stuff that he would prefer not to do. Feel like Horford is going to have to outsmart Embiid. He's going to have to use all of his experience because again, this is his first playoff series. Embiid, we're talking about here, and they obviously didn't look very bothered at all in Miami. They were 
they did have home court advantage. And I think they, obviously, again, to beat the momentum horse to death here, they had the momentum. So that was all rolling with them to get rid of them as well. But I feel like Horford and the Celtics present them a different kind of challenge. They don't have home court for once. They're going up against a team that is as young as them and as, as you know, uppity as, as, as they are. But I feel like even though they've got guys who have been there and, and have been part of, you know, winning teams in the playoffs, I feel like our, the the experience generating from Horford is going to be really, really key to, dis- to disrupting their, their key players, Embiid and Simmons, namely. Yeah, definitely. And, like, Horford, as we know, does have a good track record defending Joel Embiid. Um, so that's promising, although, you know, going into a best-of-seven series, who knows? It's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be a fun series, and... Uh, I'm not the first to say this, but we we are playing with house money at this point. Like I I went to a friend's place on um uh to watch game seven, and then we went out uh and 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 watched the rest of the game. And one thing I had said to him as soon as I arrived was that that the game seven uh this year was our championship game because that was basically the furthest that sort of we even expected ourselves to go. Like to 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 win the first round of the playoffs. And and proceed to the second round with our depleted roster. Like that was really as as far as we could reasonably expect our team to go. Um, so really, we are playing with house money, and I, I think the series is going to be fun given the the lowered expectations. Um, however, we should get to one Ben Simmons uh, hailing from uh, the fine the fine land of Newcastle, uh, as is our friend Jackson here. Um, I think that we can throw Marcus Smart, Shemi Ojale, Jalen Brown. If he's, if he's healthy, at Ben Simmons. Uh, and in particular, I think we'll see a lot of smart on Simmons, particularly in crunch time. Um, difficult player to nullify. Uh, if you give him the space, uh, we know that he can't really shoot the three that well. You give him that space, and he has all of a sudden that space to create off the dribble. So uh, it's not necessarily as easy um, to just leave him open from beyond the three-point arc. But uh, what are your thoughts on what we can throw at Ben Simmons to try and nullify him in this in this series? Anyone? Ojale. <laughs> I think we throw Ojale at him. I, yeah. I think the the difference between the two that I see is like um like Giannis's sort of superpower is that length eight. Like it means that he can um he just gets layups where there are none. And um Simmons is like Simmons is a super polished player. Um and I think he'll present a little more. I actually think he was going to be a little bit more of a challenge. I think in a lot of ways, Simmons is a better offensive player. Um, just he's so, like I say, he's just so polished with the ball. And it's not that Giannis is unpolished with the ball, but Simmons is super smooth, man. Simmons is just he's just a boss out there. Um, I I think though, on the flip side, he doesn't present the same issue with length, which means that you can just close out on him a, a little bit, a little bit uh, longer. Um, so that's going to make him, it's just going to be that a little bit harder for him to turn the corner than Giannis is. If he can't do that, um, it's going to be a little more difficult for him to be effective. That's a real interesting matchup for me to watch. And I think, I think, um, I think, yeah, I think Simi has, has the ability to compete with him laterally and strength wise, um, and isn't giving up too much size. Yeah. I think the only real, um, key difference to this matchup that he had against Giannis is this time, you know, Simmons is going to be the ball handler for the for most of the time too. So he's going to be moving around. Whereas Giannis, you know, tends to just be the one either like picking up the ball in the post or like running onto alley-oops, you know, he doesn't really tend to create a lot for everyone else. Whereas like Simmons' MO is all about bringing other players in and, you know, getting into the paint and whatnot. Look, I, I think it's obviously going to be a very tough matchup no matter who we put on him. Smart's probably going to end up on sooner or later. And I like, I hope whoever we do end up with, um, whoever ends up on him does a reasonable job at you know limiting his production there but i mean he's definitely he's definitely human you know it's not like we're going up against you know a lebron no. here where, you know you've got to just you know, batten down the hatches yeah, and just hope yeah. for like a bad game i think if we hassle him enough and our rotations are spot on and we can just execute a, a well enough i think you know the pressure can very well get to him because you know as good as mb is you know that this team is simmons's he's the one who runs the show so i feel like if we can nullify yeah. his production even just a little bit and just pe- and just chip away at it over the course of a game two games three games whatever i think we hopefully hopefully he can just get into his head and he can just get he can finally hit that rookie wall you know against us that would be i think the best case scenario we can hope for the other thing we can throw at him is not throwing things at him, namely not throwing the ball to him 
and 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 his backcourt, right? If we if we if we don't turn it over, similar to the Bucks, if we don't turn it over, the games are going to be close. They have to be. I don't think the Sixers can execute in the half court. You know, they're not they're not the Rockets, man. <laughs> you know, not in the half court, they're not. And the, yeah. when they get the break going, man, they're devastating. But and and um, conversely, they're, they're good, Joe, not great. Like you've said uh, on prior episodes, we tend to struggle in transition quite a bit. And you, you did see that a little bit in Game Seven. That when we, you know, we had the opportunity to to bump up our lead, uh, you know, against the Bucks in that Game mm-hmm. Seven by more, um, we sort of bobbled our opportunities somewhat and and, and failed to convert uh, on some pretty easy transition plays. Um, one thing I noticed from Simmons from the first round series against Miami was how like confident he was. Like how ridiculously confident he was for a rookie, and he almost he had this like "fuck you" mentality about him, like that he walks like, around like he owns the place. So eh? yeah, which you know, like take that for what it is. Like maybe it's arrogance or whatever, but like that's probably necessary, like for an alpha role that he plays for that team, um, like to 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 take on that persona, particularly on the road, um, like to be the hateable dominant player that LeBron has shown us to be. Um, mm. And for him to show it at that level and back it up with his performances does terrify me a little bit. Um, you know, this is obviously a Celtics podcast um, and I, you know, I'm an Australian, but I have no homerism at all. Like I would love to see Simmons suffer and go down and lose this series. Like I am 100% yeah. a Celtics homer. It doesn't matter where Simmons is from. Um, but he, he has scared me with that confidence. Like it's unusual. I think like magic Johnson is the first person that comes to mind to have shown that like bravado and confidence from the rookie level. And he showed that in the first round. And there's obviously like a storied and historic rivalry between the Sixers and the, and the Celtics in the postseason. you know, going back a few decades since before we were born. But, um, I, I do think that's the kind of fuel uh, for Simmons's fire, um, and that does terrify me a little bit. Um, Spolster couldn't get it done, you know, uh, scheme-wise against Simmons. It's going to be interesting and may well be something that separates Brad Stevens from Eric Spolster uh, in, you know, sort of coach of the year voting. Yeah, I, look, I, I think it's going to come out to, to turnovers. I really do. It's it's um, that's, that's the way we stay in this is by keep it, having a low turnover game. Got to cut off Simmons's oxygen. And I think just maybe from like a, f- a perspective from the future, if I can put it that way, <laughs> without it sounding ridiculous, we're going to be seeing the Philadelphia 76ers a lot more times over postseasons over the next, yeah. you know, seven, eight, however many years. So I feel like, again, even though we're playing with house money, we don't have our best players. I feel like if they can get the first win, if they can win a beat us, get a, a, the first series win over us of this era, if we want to call it, I think going forward, I hope that doesn't like kind of establish the dominant order. Like, you know, they probably might be holding that over us for at least a year, you know, even with the players out. But I just feel like if we could get one over them and then get our players back, you know, we could almost like just really, really establish, you know, the upper hand by getting the win here. Whereas if they win it, you know, you kind of expect them to do it given all the circumstances. But I mean, yeah, a win over them, I think not just will be huge for us in the short term, but going into the future, it's going to be big too. Yeah, this this goes back to playing on house money. Um, where we don't have our full complement by any means. Like we have two all stars, two all star players, which which should be the players who are getting us out of the first round in the first place. We haven't seen them in ages, um, and and now we're going in to play the seventy sixes. We we still don't have those guys. They have their full complement. Um, yes, this will be a rivalry that we see uh, into the next you know ten or so years, but. We're playing with house money, like I said, and like others have said. And you know, if we if we win this series, it's ridiculous from the Sixers' standpoint for them to lose against us. Um, but if we lose, there's a total asterisk there. We'll be like, see you next year with our Kyrie Irving and our Gordon Haywood and our <laughs> Daniel Tice, aka the Big Three. Yeah, I, I <laughs> see you next year. Just reminded me of see you next Tuesday, but um, the, <laughs> the what I was gonna say was. Um, like, as a basketball fan, it's kind of going to be, like, a little more interesting if the Sixers do win. Like, the Sixers yeah. in the finals is a way more interesting, like, I hate to say this, but it's way more interesting from a neutral basketball fan perspective than us in the finals. Like, 
I, I don't know. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm no, going to I, tell I, my Celtics fan. No, no, Would no, you no, rather no, watch no, the Sixers against the Warriors or us against the Warriors? Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I, we should call out that we are wading into some muddy waters here. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I've gone I, into I a dark like, place. I've gone to Kanye's sunken place, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this is a terrible defeatist sort of um, standpoint to take, but winning the first round with our squad like is satiating enough, but to for these 76ers to go on and take on the, the top of the Western Conference team uh, it's pretty incredible from the like the Simmons and Bead narrative, and if the Raptors lose to uh, LeBron, LeBron proceeds yeah. to the conference finals, and then it's this like passing of the baton, the sort of situation from LeBron to Simmons. Uh, you know they played the same position, they've trained together. Like it just it seems appropriate. The Fresh Prince. Yeah, yeah. I, having I, said I think, that, Celtics in six. Sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Better eighteen, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say just just to on, on a very quick note there to get away from the Celtics, just briefly, man. I I, I don't want to see the Cavs Warriors again. I, I don't want to sit through oh, that for the fourth time. No I mean, yeah, it's just oh, give mean. me give me any <laughs> give me any other team. Give me Cavs Cavs Rockets uh, Golden State Philly. I don't care. I just don't want to see Cavs uh, Cavs Golden State again. Please. Yeah, oh, ugh, boring. Yeah, and LeBron's like, ugh, oh, that's just gonna be a whitewash, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be ugly. Uh, LeBron's going. Le- LeBron's going down this round. He is going down this round. Hot take. Nice and hot take. <laughs> it, I, I think I'm already on record as saying he wouldn't get out of the second round, so I kind of had to. But I like, I actually mean it. Like, I'm not backing down on that at one little bit. I think Raptors. This is their time. Yeah, I agree. Now, look, uh, a few notes heading into the series against Philadelphia. Some further matchups we can exploit. I think that Tatum, Brown, and even Morris need to be just freaking gunning at Redick, Bellinelli, and Ilyasova. Uh, While they pose a threat offensively from beyond the arc, I think that defensively there's some slack that they maybe bring to the to the court for the Sixers, and I think that the offensive power of Tatum, Brown, and, and Morris... Um, should be gunning at those guys to exploit that. Now, we went 3-1 and one on Philly this season. We haven't played them since January 18, when they won and Embiid scored a game-high 26 points. But in our three wins, the scoring leaders were <laughs> Kyrie Irving twice and Jalen Brown once, neither of whom will be playing in game one. Um. I really hope that we get some good news on Jalen Brown overnight. Uh, that's something that I, I yearn to wake up to first thing <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but it sort of makes sense where he is at his career, like on the rise and, and you know, given the odds in our ability to take out this series that they should just give him all the rest he needs to make sure that he can be the best, you know, downtown Jalen Brown that he can be for the rest of his career. Um yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned just a second ago, guys, the, the defensive exploits that we can take advantage of from the 76ers. So anything to add to that? I was just going to add real quick to the Jalen Brown thing. I think it, obviously we don't want him injured long term by playing him through pain, but like it's not like... It's not like we've got anything else left to save him for. I think if he's feeling, you know, even just just a slightly over good to go, he needs to go. Like, again, no, we don't want any long-term injuries, but, I mean, it's basically it's now or never, so he's got to go for it. Um, yeah, get get to the paint. I mean, I know Embiid is in there. Embiid's going to have to sit sooner or later, but, I mean, beyond that, I mean, who else have they got that's a big, you know, Amir Johnson. Uh, everyone else escapes me there. But, yeah, no, I think if we can get to the paint, obviously shooting the three is something you'd like. You know, these are just things you'd like in every single basketball game, regardless there. But I feel like if we can establish getting to the paint and, and being not be deterred by their interior defense, I think that'll be big going forward. Yeah, I think whoever um, whoever Ilyasova's checking um, has to have a big game. I think yeah. um, I think that's I think that that's pretty much it. Covington's Covington's pretty tough, and Bead's going to make it really difficult, man. Like like you say, yeah, we do have to establish the paint, but Embiid makes that really difficult. It does, yeah. Um, Easier said than done. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky to score, but I I, I think it's going to be a low. I, okay, I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring series, and I think that Celtics are way closer to winning it than people think they are because I don't like. I don't think that um, – I think this is not a bad matchup for us. Yeah. 
Well, we'll certainly see you soon enough. Now, it's going to be an exciting series. Guys, I want to know at, at this point, with everything we know, would you still prefer to play Philly in this series? Or uh, at this point, would have you had preferred Cleveland? No, absolutely Philly. Absolutely yeah. Philly with home court advantage every single day of the week over anyone else who is out in the East at the moment. <laughs> I think it's the... It, it, despite everything we've just said and how we're riding our obituaries already, I think it's still <laughs> the best possible matchup we could have had. And, and again, home court is so, so important. So well, despite everything, well, I like, think we're still in a decent place. To be clear, I'm, I'm saying home court against either Philly or Cleveland. You're still going Philly? Still going Philly, yeah, big time. Okay, Joe? Yeah, I'm going Philly just because I'm interested in the matchup, and I think it'll be really fun. I think it'll be more fun than playing LeBron. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, I kind of want... I feel like Toronto's got some real demons to exercise against LeBron, and I yep. kind of want them True. to have their crack at him. Like, actually, I kind of want that for them. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I um, I feel like we have our own demons, LeBron-related demons, to exercise... Um, but I'm not totally confident that even with the way that we're playing and the way that the Cavs are playing, that we would have been able to to get it done. Um, he just, LeBron that is, always seems to find a way. And, you know, while it's good to avoid that for, for once, um, I do feel like the Sixers are the better team and probably we, we would have had a better chance, given how the Pacers did against the, the Cavs, we would have had a better chance against the um, the Cavs ourselves this year. Plus, like the opportunity to finally knock out LeBron uh, is an enticing one. A spicy mm. little narrative there for the Celtics, you know, sands our stars to, to finally knock him down. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's interesting that you guys say you'd prefer Philly. I, um, I wouldn't have gone that way myself. Yeah. Well, I, maybe if we had Kyrie, like if we just had like the last Infinity Stone. <laughs> that might the, the narrative everything would have taken up nicely but I think given the state that the team is in currently no I, I couldn't I couldn't have asked for anyone else other than Philly I, I I also like like we've beaten LeBron twice you know like and I know it's a long time ago but um, but for me it doesn't like it doesn't quite hold the same um, I guess I guess this year I sort of see it as like no, this isn't our year to win the championship. So I want the most interesting matchup, and to me the Sixers Celtics is a real interesting matchup. You know, yeah. All right, guys, uh, just about out of time here. I want to hear your predictions for Game One, just coming up in like nine hours' time, and uh, for the series against the Sixers. Okay, uh, Game One prediction goes to the Celtics, one hundred and ninety-eight. It's going to be hot, tight. It's going to be horrible, but we're going to get the win. Serious prediction, the heart says the Celtics in seven, seven epic, amazing games, uh, but my head, defeatist, pessimistic, says <laughs> Philly in six, unfortunately. All right, well, just we've had some hot takes uh, in the previous sort of hot take microwave episodes that we, uh, I think Joe has said that we'll get a Rogier game winner. I've said that we'll get a Tatum dunk over uh, Giannis, but let, let's say any superstar. Um, so 198 is your prediction for game one. That implies potentially a game winning shot. Could we combine the two? Maybe could we get a um, either a Rogier game winner to take us to the to the win to the promised land, or could we get a game winning Jason Tatum dunk over Ben Simmons <laughs> uh, to get us the win? And dunk on Simmons, dunk on Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to regather myself from from such an emotional outburst and do any more podcasts. So if, if you don't hear from us from this point onwards, that that's what happened. Um, <laughs> Joe, what, what what are your thoughts? Uh, I I honestly think this is a sixes and six um, series. I think the most likely path that this takes is um, sixes win game one, probably quite comfortably. Um, the Celtics regroup game two. I think it's that type of series when you're the underdog, but you've got home court advantage. Celtics regroup game two. Sixes win game three. We win game four. It comes down to who win games f- game five. Um, yeah. Game five is is normally the most pivotal game in most series, and this one will probably be no exception. Um, and I do think the Sixers are a little bit better than us, like everybody says. And I, I wish I had, I wish I wish I wish I had more courage, but that's how I think. But I think I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think the first one's probably going to be a blowout, and then there's going to be um, five really close games. Yeah, I, I need to point out. Um 
like just for the interest of the New Zealand accent, that a sucks and sucks is uh, like a dream <laughs> dream scenario. For all <laughs> um, what are the odds? Um, sorry, I had, to, I had to do it, Joe. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> shout out to New Zealand. Love New Zealand. Wonderful place. Um, but I am going Celtics in six. I that that is my prediction. I th- I think that um, whoa that. They have have shown out well in a in a, in a non sort of confrontational non intimidating uh, matchup in the first round in the Miami Heat in, with the aged Dwayne Wade being wheeled out for one more series. Uh, I, that's not the case. Uh, this is a, a young, well coached team by Brad Stevens. I, I think that uh, Stevens and his yeah. coaching staff will be able to plan yeah. uh, amazingly well, thank you, uh, to, to, to come up against the six of squad. I think that um, the key is to either nullify one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. Or I, I both, have come the capability on! to do that. <laughs> I'm loving this. He's just like coaching me through this analysis. have got the hype man great. on board. Yeah, Hello. yeah so good. He's, he's the flavor flavor to my uh, the other guy from Public <laughs> yeah, <I'm> Game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that um, Brad Stevens beats Brett Brown, really, in this series. And as long as Terry Rozier executes the way he did Game 7, uh, as long as Al Horford continues to play like the, the best player in the series, which I think he can be, and as long as we get like our wild card offensive start each night, whether it be Tatum or Mook Morris or Marcus Smart or whoever can kind of fill like the... The, the third best guy, you know, role for our team, which seems to rotate every night. If we can do that consistently over four games of the seven, uh, I see us winning it in six. That's just how I feel. Can't argue with facts, man. Don't at me. You don't have my Twitter handle, so you can't at me. And I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> Guys, that will just about do it for this here episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast, where really looking forward to this series. But another thing we also look forward to daily is you find people subscribing to and rating the podcast. The difference that makes to our lives, it's like when Marcus Smart finally comes back from injury. It's just goddamn wonderful. So please be a pal and, you know, maybe do that for us. Thanks, as always, Jackson and Joe for joining us. Hopefully much more to analyze and celebrate over the month of May. Cheers, guys. That's right. Sucks right, guys. Sucks. We'll see you after game one. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.